0: Hi, I'm Leah Potter, and I'm Meredith Roten, and we're two news editors at the GW Hatchet. This is the Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. News editor Sarah Roach is here, and she's going to talk about her story about Dean Sissy Petty, who is staying for the first time ever with students in residence halls. So Sarah, why is this so
1: significant. Sissy Petty is the Dean of the Student Experience. Um, This is the first time that an official has ever stepped into a space that is entirely like occupied by students and um, spent a significant amount of time in that space. So she's um, lived in a couple residence halls this semester. Um, one was West Hall on the Mount Vernon campus, and then most recently Shankman Hall, and she plans to visit Amsterdam Hall next semester, um, and she wants to make this a yearly thing, so um, every single year she'll visit residence halls and stay in them for a week or so. What's more, more significant about this is that Petty has taken over this new role very recently. She just stepped into it at the beginning of the semester so this is something that um, is a way for her to get to know students and you know put a face to the to the name of you know, the student experience and this is sort of putting a face to that
0: what is she doing in the halls like is she just kind of talking to students or does she have different kinds of activities can you tell me about those her main goal
1: is just to pinpoint uh areas of the hall that could be improved um like a couple of things that she noticed was that coming off the elevator there was a lot of space um in between uh the hallways um and the elevator so one of the things that she thought would be good is if there were like chairs or beanie bags for students to sit another thing that she noticed was that the elevators are she said they were kind of gross she said that it's sticky there's plastic on the ground so one of the things that could be improved is making sure that maybe it's on the students and to make sure that these elevators are clean, but, um, but that shouldn't be something that students are stepping into every day um, when they leave the building. And then just this all really comes down to fostering a better sense of com- community among students. Dean Petty sees all of these improvements when she's going through the residence halls. What is her ability to dedicate resources to that? It, it will probably take a bit of time because she's going, you know, one by one to each mm. residence hall and, and trying to, to gauge, you know, what are the strengths of this residence hall? what is, What are the weaknesses? What do students like about it? What do they not like about it? Um, she even has um, a plan, you know, mapped out for how much the, the chairs would cost across the elevator. That would be like $40,000 investment, she said. Did she mention any takeaways from
0: residence halls other than Shankman?
1: She didn't have a lot to note about her stay in West, and that was really the only other hall that she stayed in for an entire week. Um, But at the beginning of the the semester, she walked through um, Mitchell and Thurston. Um, She was going around to like eight different residence halls and those were the first two that she stopped by. Um, And a a couple of things that she noticed in Mitchell, she said she spent more than an hour just walking around the first two floors and noticed. There was black mold and some of the rooms are not upkept and some of the the kitchens are still dirty.
0: And did she say why she picked Shankman in Amsterdam and West as halls?
1: Well, she just chose residence halls where faculty advisors had moved out. Most of the residence halls right now are pretty full. A residence advisor had just moved out of Shankman, so that opened up a spot for her to be able
2: to move in.
0: Thanks for talking to us about your story, Sarah. Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: I'm here with Kayla Harris, Senior News Editor at The Hatchet,
0: and I'm filling in for Meredith and Leah right now but a few weeks ago, Kayla, you had a story
3: about an incident in the law school, and now you have some updates. Yeah, I do. A few weeks ago, at the end of October, we wrote a story about some allegations against the president of the Student Bar Association. Some students had alleged that She had said an insensitive remark about Jewish students. There was a lot of backlash against her, including written statements, including a town hall, against, you know, discussing the allegations and whatnot. Um, The administration of the law school got involved as well. Where we last left off was that Allie Kingston, the president of the Student Bar Association, had apologized for her remarks. She held a town hall um, at an SBA Senate meeting where students were allowed to ask her questions and voice their opinion about whether she should step down or not because the Senate had called for her to resign a few weeks before. But a couple weeks later, um, a few members of the Jewish Law Student Association and some other members of the Jewish community and senators on SBA had come to me and said that you know they didn't feel like the situation was resolved, especially because the law school administration had inserted themselves there and um, hadn't done much since the the incident. And there seems to be a bit of a misunderstanding between both parties about what statement was said that was
0: insensitive.
3: Yeah so the initial allegation was that after JILSA the Jewish Law Student Association had gotten a poster violation for whatever for hanging up a poster that had wrong wording Allie had allegedly said to her to a friend quote your Jew friends are going to get in trouble, unquote. In conversations with me and in addresses to the Lost Soul student body, Ali has denied saying that. She said that instead she had casually referenced, quote, the Jews, unquote, in passing to someone who had said it to her first. She apologized for those remarks and said that they were inappropriate. Jilsa, though, says that Ali has not explained that to them and that they, from their understanding, her apology for saying, quote, Jews was in addition to whatever remarks she said about, quote, your Jew friends are going to get in trouble, and they still feel that her initial remark hasn't been addressed. Okay, so how have officials been responding to this? Yeah, officials got involved in this almost from the start, and so a couple higher-level administrators in the law school had initially been part of this when there were um, original meetings about this incident and um, some Senate meetings in the SBA. Um, Eventually, Dean Blake Morant got involved as well, and um, some students told me that he has been um, in talks with students about how to handle this. But the the most recent update is that administrators have facilitated a mediation between members of DILSA and members of the SBA, specifically Ali. And that was supposed to happen weeks ago, but the mediator was actually just selected uh, a couple weeks ago, and now the mediation is supposed to happen in the spring, um, which some students told me was inappropriate considering the initial comment they allege was made uh, at the beginning of the school year in in September. And then the calls for resignation and uh, all of the Senate meetings that followed that happened in October. Um, so, you know, and obviously now we're in December, so this is a couple months later. How did Allie respond to this? Allie told me that she didn't think the law school was sweeping this under the rug and said administrators had provided students with this mediator. Um, She said that she hopes the mediation sessions help students find some closure from the situation. And she also said that she hopes the sessions help the law school and some other parties involved, like the SBA, figure out how to handle situations like these in the future.
2: I'll find out (laughs) at 4 p.m. today. (laughs) Thanks, Kayla, for updating us on this.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. Margo,
0: this week, Cultura has the annual gift guide, and one of your stories features gift ideas from alumni-run businesses.
4: Yeah, so these holiday gifts come from business-savvy alum who are recent graduates who picked up by their bootstraps and made an enterprise out of themselves. And I think that a lot of the cool gifts that we have for each price range and for each type of relative actually kind of seamlessly fit in with the GW alumni network.
0: Tell me about some gift ideas that would work for any relative.
4: Sure. Well, I think that everybody loves a nice cocktail. So Christopher Wirth, who graduated with a degree in international affairs and international economics, founded an award-winning company that... You know has some really yummy types of mixers that you know go well with kind of any white elephant or secret santa over 21 and uh especially flavors like the smoke and margarita mix and the salted espresso martini which sounds really wintry and and much needed after an end of semester um you know, catastrophe.
0: Yeah, that sounds amazing. What if you're shopping for someone who has some dietary restrictions? We all have a friend or a relative who maybe can't eat a certain ingredient. Where should we shop for them?
4: You can kind of quench that person's hunger with a pack of Berg Bites, which is a snack that I see everywhere. It was started by alumni Dan Daniel Berg, um, who graduated in 2018. They're vegan and gluten free, and come in some crazy flavors that you know, for the size that they are, the chunky little circles that the Berg Bites can be, you wouldn't imagine them being like flavor packed. Um, But they come in flavors like banana and cinnamon, almond butter and jelly, and sunflower and white chocolate. My personal fave. And come in bite and the new bar shapes. So there's Berg Bites and Berg bars. And you can get a 12 bar pack for $29.99.
0: And I feel like I'm always asking for clothing for Christmas or like a nice warm pair of socks.
4: Well, you're in luck, Leah, because we have a very fabulous luxury pair of socks created by 2009 graduate D. Turner Swicegood. The sock brand Penance Hall offers luxury merino wool socks of the highest quality for $35 a pair, ladies. And they come in really cute different shapes and solid colors. And for our other alumni business featured the clothing brand BASIG, which is a portmanteau of BASIC and Vogue. It was started by Gamzee Kecklick, and she graduated in a May with, an, with a Bachelor's in Economics and Marketing. This brand is pretty much the epitome of cool. It has athleisure and cute embroidered designs with kind of kiss off line- one-liners.
0: You also have some cool easy winter reads from some alum. Tell me about what they're working on and what we should be looking for for this holiday season.
4: These two alumni are really cool because I don't feel like a lot of alum are making comic books let alone doing consistent work on them but um, Kristen Goodsnuck is an artist who graduated with a bachelor's in spanish and she has a novel with scholastic called making friends released in july that i think would be the perfect thing for your awkward middle school relative who maybe is finding their way it deals with a seventh grader who has an imaginary friend whose friend develops a life of its own basically and um she also has a webcomic called Hench Girl for those looking for a slightly more mature read that was released through Dark Horse Books last year. And for those looking for a much needed representation, um, Roy Okupe, who graduated with a bachelor's and master's in computer science, created his own comic studio called Unique Studios with comic book lines that focus on black superheroes taking from um, West African culture. So he has two comic book lines, EXO, The Legend of Wade Williams, and Malika, the more recent one, which features a teenage warrior queen from the 15th century West Africa.
0: Thank you for sharing these gifts, Margot.
4: Anytime, Leah. I'm here with my reporter, Mallory, and she went and chatted with a bunch of experts in the DC dessert scene about holiday treats and how to do them right. So, hi Mallory, happy holidays.
2: Hi Margo, happy holidays.
4: I'm wondering how you picked out your treats and corresponding experts to talk to.
2: Frankly, I started with the bakeries that I really like because I eat at a lot of bakeries. Mm -hmm. And the ones that um, I haven't tried but I know have a specialty that is holiday related. Um, And just kind of went from there. So I thought of holiday treats and the corresponding cafe or bakery that would go with them.
4: Sure. And so who did you first chat with?
2: So the first person I chatted with was Dave Burton from Capital Candy Jar. Um, And we talked about peppermint bark and the importance of melting your chocolate correctly.
4: Okay. Is there a lot of ways that it can go wrong or does it taste kind of the same in every kind of package?
2: It's pretty simple as long as you melt your chocolate correctly, Um, although on the topic of it tasting the same, that is actually one of the things that Dave mentioned, that you shouldn't worry too much about having a high-quality chocolate, because once you add the peppermint flavoring, it's going to taste just like a cheaper chocolate with peppermint flavoring would. Mm. Um, So, you know, the flavor is kind of sugar and chocolate and peppermint, but... As long as you make sure that you're melting your chocolate over a double boiler don't use a microwave but beyond that you know it's really just pouring chocolate adding flavoring and some crushed peppermint and you can mix it up with I like to do a layer of dark chocolate freeze that and then do a layer of white chocolate which is my personal favorite flavor combination but you can do milk you can do just white chocolate that sort of thing
4: cool that sounds simple enough I'm wondering if there's a, a trickier dessert that you were able to chat with someone on, and maybe a holiday classic like a pie, you know?
2: Yeah, so the hardest thing with a pie is definitely the pie crust. Uh-huh. Um, for example, my grandmother, who's been baking for like 70 years, still to this day will tell me how she can't get pie crust right. Mm-hmm. So I definitely wanted to talk to someone about that. And I called uh, Little Red Fox, which is a bakery up um, in Northwest D.C. near Politics and Prose. Um, a lot of GW students haven't been there, but I'm a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. And they're really known for their pies. So I talked to Candace Smith, who is a baker there, about um, how to make sure your pie crust is flaky and not too dense and her number one tip was uh refrigerate or freeze everything so that's all really cold uh what i found really interesting about that is she goes so far as to refrigerate her flour mm. um i've of course made it with like cold butter but i i had never heard of refrigerating your flour and everything so that's yeah. definitely a insider tip
4: well as someone who's been watching the great British baking show <laughs> um holiday edition this has I mean, that's something I was really curious about. Well, I hope that our listeners will find some tips for their holiday baking. And thank you so much for coming, Mallory.
2: Thank you. Well, I'm happy to be here. Happy holidays.
0: That's all for this week. Thanks for joining us on Getting to the Bottom of It. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by news editors Meredith Roten and Leah Potter and features culture editor Margot Dines. This podcast is produced by managing editor Matt Cullen and video editor Ariana Dunham. Special thanks to Kayla Harris, Sarah Roach, and Mallory Stuart Robison for joining us. See you after the break.